0: Today's scripture is John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. You may be seated. And as you're seated, let me pray for us once more. So, Father, we believe... That in your word, there is life. The same voice that spoke into the nothingness and created everything is the same voice that now speaks to our hearts now. And so we pray, Jesus, by your Spirit, would we hear from you? Would you change us and shape us? Would we be struck by your wonder and your glory? Lord, that the great God of heaven would come near and want to be with us and love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me, um, let me tell you where we're, we're heading. So next week, we are going to begin a uh, Christmas Advent series. Next Sunday is the first uh, Sunday of Advent. So we're going to spend four weeks uh, looking toward Christmas Um, That season of Advent is a time of waiting, a time of anticipation and preparation. And we think it's important to look forward to things because ultimately we're looking forward to the return of Christ. So we're going to be working through uh, a series in Advent. Then come January, we're going to spend a year, we'll take a couple breaks in there, probably a break in the summer for a little bit. But we're going to uh, spend a year working through the book of Exodus. We're just going to systematically go verse by verse through the book of Exodus. It's going to be rich and wonderful. We're going to see incredible things about the God who draws us out to belong to us. And so anyways, we're going to go through Exodus. But this morning, uh, I, have, I have one more uh, gap week. And so what, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about friendship. It's just something that has been weighing on me. If you just allow me as your pastor, as someone who deeply cares about you and prays for you, I just want to talk to us about friendship. So if you have your Bible, I do invite you to open it up. Um, We're going to end in John 15, the passage I was read, but we're going to begin in 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 5. When I think of friendship, I think of David and Jonathan. And so this is what we read in 1 Samuel 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, that's David, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to the father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. No, no points this morning, we're just, we're just talking. If there's one thing that I would want you to take away from this morning, it's that David did not do this alone. David did not become the man after God's own heart. He did not become the servant of God through which the Messiah would come. He did not become the great king of Israel alone. He did it with friends. And if you're going to become the man or woman... God intends you to be, if you're going to exercise dominion in your spheres of life and bring about the renewal of all things and, and reach the lost and become more like Jesus, it's going to happen because you have friends. I I think today, um, the struggle for friendship is especially felt. I, I think part of the reason is just the external pressures that are on us, right? So we're busy. And of all the relationships that we can have with one another, friendship seems like it's the easiest one to cut out from our lives, right? So if, if you're married, you know, okay, you and your spouse should be one. that, that That's like the, one of the most important relationships in your life. So you can't compromise there. If you have children, you know that you're supposed to be the primary disciples of your kids, that the Lord has entrusted them to you, and so you, you need to be investing in them. I mean, which, which one of us goes, you know what, I think I spend enough time with my children? None, none, none of us. So we need, to, we need to press into our kids. If if you have older um, parents, you know if you're caring for them that that takes time, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to prioritize. If, and then you have work relationships. We, we need to work to care for our families. This is a mandate God has given us to, to work, and we can't just throw out those relationships. And So, so where, if anywhere, are we going to uh, cut things out of our life? What's well, friendship. We, we think friendship is, is a luxury. It's like a, it's a condiment to the, the meal that is the rest of life. It, it might add a little enjoyment but it's really not the main thing. And so if anywhere, we set aside friendship. So so there's external pressures on us that cause us to remove friendship from our lives. But where I'm even more burdened for us is the internal struggles that we face, these these internal lies that we believe. I I think inside of us, we go, you know what, Um, I'm probably fine on my own. I can probably do it on my own. And, and maybe, maybe it's even one step further. It's not just like I probably can make it through on my own. But actually, I would like to show that I can do this on my own. There's a the, there's sense of the pride. I, I, want, I want to prove myself. Sometimes we think of friendship as a crutch. It's like a, a form of weakness. right? I, the reason I would need friends is because I wasn't good enough on my own. And so I'll just, go, I'll just do it by myself. I'll just, I'll just face life alone. I don't, I don't need to give myself to friends, and I don't need them to be investing in me either. Which you need to hear is a lie from the pit of hell. For, for, first Peter uh, 5.8 says this, 1 Peter 5 8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Then it says this: your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The, the, The Bible calls our enemy and says he's like a lion. And you know, okay, if you've watched any National Geographic show, right, you know. Uh, you have a herd of antelope, you have a lion, and, and the camera's panning across, and you, you have the herd of antelope, and then you just have that one antelope, just like that's on the side, and you just know who's, that's, the, that's the one that's going to die. That, that's the one the lion, lion's going to go after. He's going to go after the one that's isolated, that, that's, re, that's removed from the herd. And that's what the enemy wants to make you believe. He wants to say, look, you can do it on your own. Go and graze over there by yourself. It's fine. You don't need others. Because he wants to destroy you. He wants to isolate you and segregate you, remove you from friends, so that he can absolutely cause ruin in your life. We need friends. We need friends. I think the context in which David receives Jonathan as his friend is a very interesting one, right? So if you're still in 1 Samuel, chapter 18, all you have to do is flip back one chapter, and you read, you can just read the title there of the chapter, David and Goliath, right? David's friendship with Jonathan comes on the heels of one of the greatest victories that we know about in the Bible, right? David stands on the battlefield, against the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, that that monster of a man who's put fear and trembling into everyone else and David stands up to him and slays him. There's only two humans on that battlefield, David and Goliath. And so if there was ever a time for David to be like, I got this, it was then. Like who else is there that could stand in my way? And even if David goes, yeah, God, I do believe you are with me. Even if there is a deep humility in David's life and he recognizes that victory was because God granted him that victory. I mean, it could have been so easy to go, okay, well, me and God, we can do this. And yet, in God's kindness, what is the one thing he thinks that David needs? It's a friend. I'm giving you... Jonathan, you need Jonathan, David. If you're going to be the one through whom I will save the world, if you're going to be the man or woman I intend you to be, you need a friend. And if this isn't convincing enough, um, we see this throughout the Bible. So Paul, the greatest missionary we know of apart from Jesus, right, planted more churches than anyone else we know, he goes, at the very end of his life, he's writing in 2 Timothy, he's writing to his friend Timothy, and in his very last words, he says, Timothy, please come and be with me. Like, I, these are my last, this is my last request of you. I've discipled you, I've grown up with you, I've mentored you. Would you just come and be with me? Just spend these last hours with me. Um, Jesus, when he sends out his disciples, he sends them out two by two. The disciples aren't sent out alone, which is why I'm so grateful for Josh. He is a gift to me and to this church that we get to do this together. God sends out the disciples two by two. He doesn't let them do it alone. And then even Jesus, the perfect man, lacking in nothing, he goes, you know what I want? I want uh, Peter, James, and John. Those are my dear friends. And I want to be with them, and I want to spend time with them. Those are those are my guys. We we need friends. Timothy Keller says this. He says the less you want friends, the less you want friends, the less like God you are. The less like God you are. So let's ask, um, what what is friendship? What's friendship? I, I think friendship is a little bit hard to define. I think the reason it's hard to define is normally our understanding of friendship is shaped by our previous friends, right? It's it's shaped by our experience of friendship. So when I think of friendship, I think through the lens of those individuals in my life that I've walked with. So friendship to me is Noah. It's Brandon. It's insert that name there in your life. It's, it's, it's hard to define friendship. But, but I, I think um, C.S. Lewis is, uh, gives something very helpful to us. Uh, so in his book, The Four Loves, one of the loves C.S. Lewis writes about, it's a very famous book, and he writes this little essay in there. One of the friend, uh, relationships he writes about is um, friendship. And, and C.S. Lewis describes friendship this way in that book. He says, I quote, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. See, he, he, he goes on to explain, friendship forms when two people realize that that thing that they treasure or that burden that they carry is, is not unique to themselves. Someone else shares it. Someone else sees the same truth that you see, and someone else cares about the same truth you care about, and all of a sudden you realize, you too? You, you, you see the same thing I see? Um, he, he gives this image in this book. He, he describes, uh, gives this picture of, of what friendship looks like. He says, okay, um, lovers. We could think of two lovers as individuals standing face-to-face to one another. Lovers um, look at one another. They they speak about their love to one another. Lo- lovers are face to face. Now I'm extrapolating on his image, but we we this is this is me now. So if you don't like this, take beef with me. Not my guy C.S. Lewis. Uh, we can uh, we, we can think of um, family relationships as being back to back, right? So so we're 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 drawn in other directions, but we're family. So it's like we're tethered to each other. We're, we're connected. We're, we're, we're kind of, in a way, urged and, and compelled to, to be for one another and be, be with one another. Uh, a parent-child relationship is standing uh, back to front. So the parent stands in front and, and leads, and, and the child stands behind and, and follows. But friends, friends, C.S. Lewis says, stand side by side. Friends stand side by side. It's as though we have this thing in life that we love, that we delight, and we have a treasure. That's, where, that's what I want. That, that's the thing I'm pursuing. And so we're walking on a journey, heading toward that thing, and all of a sudden we realize someone else is walking alongside of us. Someone else is pursuing the same treasure we're pursuing. And, and all of a sudden we realize, we turn to them and go, you too? You're on the same path that I'm on. And all of a sudden, you invite that person to come alongside you, and you walk together. C.S. Lewis, he he says uh, this, and let me quote him. He says, that is why those pathetic people... C.S. Lewis doesn't mince words sometimes. Uh, That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I just want a friend. No friendship can arise. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something. Even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. If you say your highest aim in life is to have friends, this is where it's it's tricky, friendship. If you say your highest aim in life is to have friends, you won't have any. You don't just force friendship. (laughs) My daughter is um, playing on the playground uh, a little over a week ago where uh, I'm standing next to her, and this little little kid comes alongside and, and says, hey, do you want to be my friend? And my daughter goes, sure, right? Little Annalise, five years old, sure, let's be friends. And so this, this other little girl goes, let's play tag. And my daughter goes, no, I want to hang on the monkey bars. Friendship over. That was, that was, that, that, that was it. If you just say, I just want a friend, someone just be a friend, the, you, you have no friendship. But if you say, there's something else that I want, then you can have friends. Which is why, please hear me, I think Christianity provides the greatest foundation for friendship. I think following Jesus is the greatest fuel for the deepest friendships. Because if you say, my aim in life is to glorify God. And I want to be like Jesus, and I'm giving all of myself towards that aim. That is an all-encompassing sphere of life. And then that welcomes anyone and everyone who's pursuing the same thing. If, if you make friendship about basketball, or food, or the Canucks, or fashion, or money, or, or whatever it is in your life, that's fine. That, that's, that's right and good in some extent, right? Friendship by default is, is a gift from God, and we should just enjoy that. But when all of a sudden the Canucks suck, which I'm just praying this is not the year, but, but or when all of a sudden you don't have money anymore, or all of a sudden you, you don't care about fashion anymore, then those, those friendships go away, and they disintegrate. But if you say, my aim in life is to glorify God, and I want to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then, man, you can do anything toward that end. Man, you can play basketball and eat food and look beautiful and watch the Canucks, all to the glory of God. And anyone can get in on that. And they can walk alongside you through thick and thin, and no matter what happens, they're still for you. Friendship provides the greatest, most solid foundation. Uh, Christianity provides the greatest foundation for friendship. And so let me just let me just say this: your spouse can be your best friend, and I encourage that. Make your spouse your best friend. But I don't think your spouse can be sufficient. If 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 you're a guy. There are some areas of your life that as hard as your wife will try to understand you, she just still can't fully go, you too? There's the things that God has designed men to experience as men. And the same applies to you, wives. Your husband can be your best friend, but they will not be sufficient for you. You need other women to come alongside you, to to experience and feel the same things you feel and to walk alongside you. So what what, what does friendship look like? What does friendship look like? Um, I heard one pastor say this. He says, um, he was talking about David. He's talking specifically to men. And he says, every man needs a king's table. Every man needs a king's table. Um, Women... Every woman needs a queen's table. The same, same thing applies to both of you here. Please just try to, try to filter this. The same types of personalities exist within each of these individuals, okay? So this, this, this pastor said, every man needs a king's table. And what he mean, meant by that is David is king of Israel. But there are three people that seem to sit at David's people that David's like, these are my guys. The, these are the guys that I'm going to face life with. And so let me, let me try to just encourage you, try to find these three types of people in your life, okay? When you see these people, man, attach yourself to them and, and just hold on to them and walk with them. The, fir- the first type of um, person that sits at David's table is Jonathan. It's Jonathan. Let, let, me, let me read uh, our passage in 1 Samuel 18 again. Verse 1 says this, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then, verse 3 says Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Um, this this language that we re- see here repeated twice to love him as his own soul talks about this bond. It's as though there's this this, this welding together. Um, I was at a a wedding um, once. And you know how they do, like the they pour the, the sand in the in the jar, or they li- they light the candle, or they they tie the string. Uh, this was a very this manly man, and he got out his welder, and just welded two pieces of metal together. That, and there's just like sparks flying on stages. It, it was amazing, and and I was like, I, I wish I could do that. I have no idea how to weld though. But um, but I think that's a good picture of what friendship is like. It's as though two metals become one. And so when you experience heat, I experience heat. When you experience cold, I experience cold. When, when life is reverberating through you, it, it feels like it's also reverberating through, through me. To, to, to love someone as your own soul means that you feel what they feel. You, it's this person in your life that you just want to celebrate with. When things are going well, you, they're like the first person you call. I just, would you just come over and, and celebrate with me? And when things are going hard, they're the person you want there also. Um, w- um, one of the hardest moments in my life, been a, it was like a year leading up to this, we were, my wife and I were planning I realized I was planning, I was kind of bulldozing my way through my, my wife, and I had this idea of what my life should look like, what our life should look like. She kept saying, I'm just scared, I don't, I don't feel right about this. I just kept bulldozing her and just pushing forward until finally at the very end I realized that I, my, this is going to turn out miserably. And all of a sudden I, I changed course, but I blamed my wife for it. I, I didn't speak to her, and I felt like my life was just collapsing. And the day I said no, and I realized we couldn't go through with this, um, that was the hardest day of my life. Now, I had made an idol of this thing, and so this was this a lot on me. <laughs> but I um, didn't speak to my wife that day. I was bitter and upset. I was all alone. And um, uh, I, had, I had purchased a couple of bottles of alcohol, which were standing on my kitchen counter. I was just waiting I was just I was going I was going to numb my pain and my wife calls my best friend and he comes over and he goes I'm not going to let you not feel this but I'm going to feel it with you and and we just we just we just sat together and he just wept he just wept with me and it was it was the greatest act of friendship I've ever experienced that that's what it means to 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 love someone as your own soul it's just like, I, I want to feel what you feel. Um, J.C. Ryle, he, he says this. He, I quote him. This is a beautiful quote of friendship. He says, friendship is the relationship that halves our sorrow and doubles our joy. Friendship is the relationship that halves our sorrow. I'm going to carry this burden with you and that doubles our joy. Man, let me celebrate with you. Let me just add to this celebration and just rejoice with you. To, to have a friend is to feel what they feel. And um, it's also to make their fate your fate. Right? It's really interesting here. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan is Saul's son. Saul is the king of Israel at the time. Jonathan is in line to be king. He's the prince of Israel. And yet, Jonathan goes in verse 4. Here you go, David. Ha, have my robe, have my 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 princely garments, ha, have my sword and my shield and my my bow. Like man, Jonathan, I am all David. I'm all for you. Like you, you I want you to be king. Like go for it. I'm going to experience victory through through you, man. Let, let, I want to make your fate tied to my fate, and I want my fate to be tied to your fate, and let's just celebrate victories in life together. I just want to celebrate and be there and rejoice, and I just want to tackle life with you. A Jonathan is someone who feels what you feel and who makes their fate your fate. Secondly, David also had a Joab. David had a Jonathan, and he had a Joab. Um, Joab was the commander in David's army. He's the commander of Israel. And um, the way Joab became commander of Israel is David's like, "Hey, there's Jerusalem. Whoever can go and defeat Jerusalem, they can be the commander of my army." And Joab's like, "I can do that. I want to be commander of your army." And so Joab goes and just 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 defeats Israel. He just figures it out. Uh, he defeats he defeats Jerusalem. And he just figures it out, and he he, cap, he captures Jerusalem for David. And so David's like, "Great, Joab, uh, you're the commander of my army." And what became of Joab is um, he was like the the spear. He was like that that point in in David's life. If David needed something done, Joab was his guy. Like, Joab's like, you just point me in the direction. You just let me fly and I will knock down walls for you, David. You you need me to get something done for you. Just just let me at it. Right? You, You need some wisdom. Talk to me about it. You need some strength. Let me go at it. And 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 Joab became um, he became. Now this is this is where Joab's interesting. He became uh, David's hatchet man. Now I, I can't like in good conscience say like, go and find a hatchet man. Um, but but now Joab was messed up. So um, in David's life, when um, he slept with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and then sent Bathsheba's husband to the front lines, had the army of Israel back away, and, and Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was, was killed. Da- David murdered him. Uh, David sent a letter to Joab, and he's like, Joab, I want you to kill Uriah, basically, by, by doing this. And Joab's like, okay, David, this is what you want. I'm going to do it. So now, like, we all have friends. They'll, they'll, they'll be flawed. <laughs> take, the, take that away from this. But, but Joab is just deeply loyal. David, I'm with you. And I might not get all this. Maybe this is even seems a little sketchy. But I, I, I'm for you. Point me in the direction. Let, 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 me ta- let me tackle challenges for you. So David had a Jonathan. He had a Joab. And lastly, at the king's table sat Nathan. Sat Nathan. Uh, let, let me read these words from 2 Samuel chapter 12. This is, um, this is just a little bit after David had committed adultery and uh, murdered Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Nathan approaches him, uh, and he says this. Verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. Now, you, you have to read that the right way. That's not like, you're the man, David. This is like, you, there's someone bad, and you are the bad guy. You're, you're the man. Thus says the Lord. The God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? This is Nathan saying all this. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbors and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun." For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, this this was the aim of all that Nathan said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. Nathan is the friend who calls out David for his sin Nathan is the individual who says I know you don't actually want to live this way I know you said you want to be like Jesus in all that you do and you're not acting like Jesus right now and so they come alongside you they point out your sin and they plead with you to repent and change ways now this type of friend is so precious one, because it takes incredible bravery. To speak like this, to have someone speak like this to you, takes so much courage. Right? They're constantly wondering, like, is this the end of our friendship? Is, is this going to be the line where they go, that was too much? You, you know, mind your own business. I'm happy you doing my own thing. You just, you just stay over there, friendship over. It takes great bravery to speak like this to your friend. But it also... It takes great tact and wisdom. You have, to, you have to present it in such a way. You have to call out sin in such a way where it's received. Where, where David goes, okay, I do see this. I do want to repent. I acknowledge I have, I have sinned against the Lord. There's this tact and this wisdom for this person to realize it's not you against them and their sin. It's you and them against their sin. Like we're in this together me and you, I'm coming alongside you. Let's fight this thing. I'm, I want to stand side by side with you, shield to shield, arm in arm. Let, let, let's fight this thing together. I want so much more for you. You need a Nathan in your life. So let me ask you, do you have these friends? Do you have these type of people in your life? Do you have Jonathans? Do you have a Johab? Do you have a Nathan? Now, look, there's absolutely room for overlap here. (laughs) It's not like someone calls you out on your sin. You're like, you know what? You're supposed to be Joab. Leave that to to Nathan. (laughs) So I don't know how many people it is. But you have people who really know you, who walk alongside you. Men, let me plead with you just for one second here. Please make the time to invest in your friends. I know, again, like I said at the beginning, this is the easiest thing to push aside. But you need other men in your life. Fight for friends. Fight for friendship. Let me also say this to to, to the husbands who have children in this room. You also need to free up your wives. Women need this just as much as we do. And if, if, uh, if you have children... Your uh, the times your wife hangs out with her friends, if they if you both have kids, are like total chaos and madness. It's like incredibly difficult to have meaningful conversation. And so, men, please let me urge you: you need to grab your children, lock them up in your house, and kick your wife out and go go be with your friends. Just you and them go talk. I'm going to free you up to do this. Man, let, let's 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 pursue friendship. This is this is a this is a gift from the Lord. So let me let me end like this. Um, the, the 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 challenge with all of this talking about friendship is um when, let me let me ask it this way. When you think of these people, um Jonathan, Joab, Nathan, which which one do you think you are? Don't don't you don't have to answer. Which one do you think you are? I'll tell you who I think I am. I'm David. <laughs> That's right. I'm David. I need a Jonathan. And I need a Joab and I need a Nathan. And I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the center of, of the story. The problem is, is, man, if, if you're at all like me, you also think you're David in the story. And so we all we all crave Jonathan's, we all crave Joabs, we all crave Nathan's in our life. But if everyone needs a Jonathan, who's going to actually be a Jonathan? Right? That's the the challenge here. So, So what has to happen? Well, the way friendship works is this. The way you get a friend is to give yourself to a friend. If you want a friendship, that normally requires you pay the price of friendship. You want a Joab? Well, you be a Joab. You help that person move when it's inconvenient. But the, the, the problem still is that just pushes the struggle down the road a little bit. Because the reason I wanted Jonathan and a Joab and a Nathan is because I feel the lack in my own life. How can I, how can I give myself to someone if I'm so desperate just to make it, on my, make it through by myself? Someone has to come and, 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 and change the cycle. Someone has to step in and, and break the cycle. And someone has. Let, let me read you these words from Drew Hunter. He writes a book on friendship and he says this. What if you could have a friend who knew you better than anyone, better than you even know yourself? And what if, Knowing everything, he still loved you, and even liked you. And what if you could have a friend who, by his very relationship with you, would transform you to become a better friend to others? You can. His name is Jesus, and he's called the friend of sinners. When um, it was the Pharisees; it was the religious rulers; these prideful, arrogant religious rulers, who called Jesus friend of sinners. Jesus was eating with a bunch of sinners. He was having dinner with them, and they, they, they meant it to be a way of mocking him. Like, look at, look at Jesus, <laughs> that friend of sinners. And what they meant as a mockery, I think Jesus took as one of the greatest compliments. Friend of sinners. That's who I am, Jesus says. Jesus was the first person to befriend us. Jesus, who existed in eternal friendship, right? Jesus, as part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, existing for all eternity, in fellowship, in friendship, goes, you know what? I'm not lacking in anything, yet as an overflow of my friendship, of our friendship, I want to befriend others. And so Jesus is the one who who changes the cycle. Jesus is the first person to to love on us and befriend us so that we can then befriend others. Please, let me go back to John 15. These are the words we heard at the beginning. You need to hear this. I, I've just been thinking about these words. These have become the sweetest words for me in this past season. Listen to this. John 15, 13 to 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Why did Jesus come and die? To make you his friend. Why did Jesus, why was he cut off from the Father? So that you would never be cut off from him as his friend. Friendship is not just a luxury. Friendship is not just necessary. Friendship, please hear me, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, is the greatest aim of life. Jesus says right here in the center of history, all of history, either points to the cross or points from the cross, right at the center of history, Jesus goes, you want to know the meaning of all of this? Jesus goes, it's friendship. Friendship. All that I have been planning for all eternity is now being executed up on that cross. And you know what I'm doing? I'm making you my friend. Friendship is the greatest aim of life. And when we fully grasp that, if we could just fully grasp that, man, that would absolutely change everything that we do. That would change the way we love on others. If Jesus not only uh, loves us, but likes us, if Jesus is like, I mean, he says in John 17, just in the next uh, a couple chapters over, he says, Father, I-, I want these people to be with me. Like Jesus is like sitting on the edge of his throne going like, Father, send me back. Like I, I want to be with my friends. Let-, let, me- let me go and get them. Man, if we-, if we really believe that, man, that would change the way we do friendship with one another. If we believe that, One, Jesus would be the perfect model for friendship. You want to know what it looks like to be a good friend, to have a good friend? Look at Jesus. Jesus would be the model. He'd be the motivation for friendship. If Jesus really likes me like that, if Jesus really promises to never leave me, man, that allows me the courage to step out and befriend others. That allows me the courage to step out and rebuke Say hard things because I know it's actually loving. Allows me the courage to go out and, and, and face rejection because I know Jesus will never leave me. And Jesus isn't just the, um, the motivation and the model. He also becomes the mirror. When I befriend others, I show them who Jesus is. Let me end with these words. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, Christ is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have often left him. He has never, ever left you. You have had many trials and troubles. Has he ever deserted you? Has he ever turned away his heart and shut up his compassion? No. Children of God, it is your solemn duty to say no and to bear witness to his faithfulness. The way we show others that Jesus is the greatest friend that he's our best friend is by befriending others just like he befriended us let me pray for us father i pray right now for the people in this room god you know the depths of their hearts you know the things they long for and ache for and crave God, I pray for those who are lonely. God, would you bring someone alongside them? Would you bring a friend, Father? I pray for those who have, um, who have made something else other than you their greatest treasure. I pray that you would put them back on the path of true life and flourishing. I would. I pray that you you would show them that. Following after you, there is the greatest joy, and that allows for the greatest and deepest friendships. And Father, I pray that you would be their friend. Father, I pray that you would make yourself real to them, that you would love them like no other. Would they experience a whole new depth of intimacy that they never thought imaginable? I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.